Do you ever catch yourself wishing you didn't have to stay positive? Or maybe you've been working on keeping a positive mindset for years, but it still feels like a daily battle sometimes. Having a chronic illness means you're being told to stay positive all the time. And let's be honest, it's exhausting. Because pushing ourselves to stay positive is not actually positive. There's a much easier way to get a strong, positive mindset and all of the feel-good perks that come with it without the pressure of looking on the bright side. Check out my free resource, The No BS Guide to a Positive Mindset. In it, I give the straight scoop on strategies that work and common strategies that are a waste of time and energy. Go to andreahansencoaching.com now or use the link in this podcast description and get your free resource, The No BS Guide to a Positive Mindset, today. Have you ever heard about a type of therapy for the first time that maybe you had never heard about, but other people are raving, saying it's really helped them, like maybe a type of massage that you've never had or a new way of meditating, and you've thought to yourself, what the hell, right? I'll give it a go. I'll see what happens. It can't hurt. It might help. Let's see what people are talking about. That was me when I went to my first acupuncture appointment years ago. I admit I didn't find total relief from it like other people had, but I tried other therapies that this particular clinic had, like craniosacral massage, and I found a few therapies that really, really worked, even if I couldn't really explain what exactly was happening. What they all had in common was it was energy work, and I would not have believed in it if I hadn't tried it myself. There's quite a few therapies that work with energy, and this previous skeptic finds them all pretty fascinating, and some of them really, really effective, which is why I'm really excited about this week's guest, Amanda Dahl. Amanda has had a long journey with Lyme disease, and it wasn't just her, it was her entire family that was affected, and she's also had other diagnoses and illnesses in her life, and she found energy work along the way, looking for different therapies and things that could help. And now she and her husband have their own practice, offering many energy work therapies and coaching for people with Lyme. So in this week's episode, Amanda gives us an introduction into holistic healing, exactly what energy work really is, and how it can help. So please enjoy this week's episode and visit andreahansencoaching.com for more on Amanda Dahl, resources we talk about in the show, and transcripts from today's episode. You can find the link in the episode description. Welcome to the Live Your Life, Not Your Diagnosis podcast. I'm Andrea Hansen, author, motivational speaker, and master certified coach. When I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, I was told I would never reach my goals. But I did. And I'm on a mission to prove that life with a chronic illness can still be expansive and quite remarkable. Everyone has their own unique path. I'm talking to people living with a chronic illness that come from different backgrounds, have different points of view, and are achieving amazing life goals of all kinds to inspire you to achieve what you thought was impossible. These stories are raw, uncensored, and judgment-free. Listener discretion is advised. I'm here with Amanda Dahl. Amanda entered the holistic health scene after her own intense journey with chronic illness and eventual remission from Lyme disease. With her gentle guidance and fresh approach, clients who have quote-unquote tried everything 
enjoy accelerated healing and renewed hope. Physical, emotional, and spiritual needs are considered as Amanda leads clients to a life of health and new possibilities. Amanda and her husband, Christopher, co-own Doll Holistic Health, where they use energy healing, health and soul coaching, muscle testing, energy sensing, somatic exercises, and mindset work to activate people's vitality so they can thrive. Welcome, Amanda. How are you? Thank you. Thanks for having me, Andrea. I'm great. How are you? I am great. I am so excited to talk to you about all things energy healing. I was really excited because I don't talk about that a whole lot. And I know some people love it and want to hear more about what you do. Some people are completely skeptical and they're thinking like, Andrea, why are you talking about this? Right. (laughs) And I want to talk about it a little bit more because I think it's something that people know, but they don't necessarily know the specifics of it and like really what it is. We're going to talk all things energy healing, but I first want to hear a little bit more about your health journey because you said it was intense. And I think what makes it a little bit different is that it's not just your journey. You weren't the only person that was having this illness. It was your whole family. Yeah. Yeah. It was wild. Uh, My personal health journey started literally at birth. I was born with a hole in my heart, had my first open heart surgery at four years old, all kinds of health issues. I'm just one of those people. I had all kinds of health issues. And then in my late teen years, I started having just a lot more unusual symptoms that typically people with Lyme disease experience. I was having a lot of vertigo, a lot of digestive issues, migrating arthritis kind of feelings. Oh my gosh, such headaches, night sweats, rashes, you name it, all sorts of strange things. And and my husband and I, we met when we were 15. So we've been together for a long time and he was starting to not do so well either. And by now, like fast forward a couple of years, we're in our early 20s, we're now married. Um, and he was falling apart in different ways. He was having a lot of issues with his kidneys. He was also having migraines, constant neck pain, like neck pain all the time for him, a lot of gastrointestinal issues. And this went on for us for, we went back as far as we could remember the more Lyme kind of symptoms. And we attracted back to 18 years from the time that we were diagnosed. And it was just, it was wild. A lot of tests and I had a hysterectomy. It was just symptoms were so bad. And of course it didn't alleviate any of the pain. And it was just a really long road. And in in the middle of all of this, we had a child not Mm. knowing that we had Lyme disease. It was just, there was a lot. Those that have an illness that's difficult to diagnose oftentimes experience this where you see 20 some odd doctors, you're being recommended, oh, why don't you see this specialist? And why don't you see this specialist? And at one point in everybody's journey, it's inevitable that, well, have you seen a therapist? You go on some anxiety medication because this is a lot of anxiety that you're experiencing. And it's like, I'm having anxiety because I'm sick and nobody seems to know what's wrong. So that went on for 18 years. And then my son was actually diagnosed first because he was diagnosed with autism. And in the diagnostic report, they had done a lot of blood work on him, unbeknownst to us, some of the blood work that they just ran a quick panel on. And he actually tested positive on one of the tests for Lyme disease that typically people 
it's only about a 40% chance of getting a positive on. This particular test miss, misses a lot of um, positives. And he actually did test positive. And when we went to work with a doctor for him on more of the autism stuff, the doctor happened to be Lyme literate. And she said, tell me about your health. And she looked at my husband and I, and at this point we still weren't diagnosed. Hmm. And, um, and that was, you know, 18 years into this. And we started telling her and she's like, your son tested positive for Lyme. I think you all have Lyme. And then, you know, here we go. That was the beginning of our journey. Okay, so I'm curious because Lyme comes from a tick bite. Is that correct? Is that the only way you can get it? That's one of the ways that you can get it. You can get Lyme disease from any vector insect. So mosquitoes, fleas, chiggers. Um, you can get certain infections that come along with Lyme disease. You get them from... If you've ever heard the song Cat Scratch Fever, yeah. that's actually a co-infection that a lot of people with Lyme disease have. It's called Bartonella. Oh, interesting. Um, because you don't just get Lyme typically, which mm -hmm. is it's the bacteria is called Borrelia. You typically don't get just Borrelia. You also typically will get, you know, Babesia, Bartonella, Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, tick-borne relapsing fever. There's all these like mixes of things and some people get a lot of them other people only get a couple of them like it's a total it's a total kind of wow. a crapshoot as to what you get but yeah so ticks, much bigger than i thought it absolutely is they're also finding that there is some sexual transmission it they're finding evidence now that it can be passed from mother to baby and we have consulted with three different doctors that feel that is what happened in my son's case. They also feel that he has Lyme-induced autism. So there was a lot of things that kind of cascaded with this diagnosis for us. Okay, because I was going to ask if it was that you passed Lyme down to your son or if it was just coincidentally he happened to get it. Yeah. Himself, but it sounds like he had it. He had it. And what we think, Andrea, we think that he was bitten by a tick and it was reactivated because when yeah. he did test positive, he was there's ways that they can tell is this an older infection or a newer infection? And he actually lit up on, on both parts. Mm. So they were like, this was something that was already in his system. And we did know that he had a tick bite when he was almost eight. So we knew that there was a tick bite there and we think that reactivated things but he had characteristics of Lyme since birth. It was very interesting. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's quite a journey. And I want to specify that it's not just any tick bite. It's not just if you find a tick, you're going to freak out because you have Lyme. It's if the ticks are infected with Lyme. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and there are places that people tell people, if you find a tick on you, it's very easy to just want to get rid of the tick and flush it down the toilet or mm -hmm. throw it out the car window or whatever. But I tell people, save the tick because there are organizations that you can send the tick to and they can test it to see what does the tick have, because that can be helpful for the person who's been bitten by the tick because most people don't get that that bullseye rash that they talk about. Most people don't actually get that rash. Mm. They estimate only about 30 to 40% of people get any kind of rash on their skin. So I tell people, save the tick. The other thing about the rash that I just want to say is, if you have that bullseye rash, 
that is indicative that you have Lyme disease. So it is imperative that you treat. Um, the sooner that you can treat, which is usually antibiotics, you would go to your primary care, tell them that you were bitten by a tick, that you have the bullseye rash, and ask them for antibiotics to try to treat as quickly as possible because we don't want it to go deep into the tissues and then have it become a chronic issue. Because it is, it's a bacteria, right? It's a bacteria yes. infection? Yeah. Yeah. The, the Borrelia is a bacteria. And mm -hmm. then there are some other things that you can get that are viral and all sorts of other things. But usually that rash is indicative of the Borrelia bacteria. So the earlier yeah. that you get it and the earlier you treat it, the better. The better your chances are of it not going chronic. 85% of the people, if they have a tick bite that they know about and they see that rash and they have antibiotics right away, 85% of people will, they'll be okay. But mm -hmm. there's 15% of those people that um, it will continue, the disease process will continue and it will develop into something deeper. So that's why I tell people like, it's really important. And if, if the doctor says, oh, we don't have Lyme around here or those sorts of mm -hmm. things, because that's very popular worldwide for patients to be gaslit on that, I tell people find another doctor. Yeah. Um, it is imperative that you treat as fast as possible. Yeah, I know. I think it's different now, but I know for a very long time in my state, they didn't have Lyme. Mm -hmm. And so even if you said, hey, I think I have this, they literally wouldn't, they would refuse because they're like, we don't have it. And it doesn't matter if you were like maybe vacationing in another state <laughs> and got, didn't matter. And so you literally would have to go to another state to get the test or send it away somewhere because the doctors were just dug in that, nope, we don't have that here. It's not that's not it <laughs> yeah and there's a lot of people in our medical community again worldwide that still feel that way oh we don't have a, we don't have Lyme disease here um, it's important for people to know that Lyme is in all 50 states in the mm -hmm. United States and it has been found in every country with the except exception of Antarctica it's just something that isn't talked about enough but it is the fastest growing vector illness in the United States. And um, I just find it so fascinating that nobody was talking about it for so long. Like it's just, to me, it just doesn't make sense. It's like if it's something that majority of people can be treated with antibiotics, which, you know, are prescribed for everything anyway, <laughs> why, right. why is it still so hard? I think it's hard because in the medical community, they're, they didn't know a lot when people were first getting sick with Lyme disease. And Lyme disease has been around for thousands of years. Like they found it in the Iceman that they found, like they, that the Iceman had Lyme disease. Wow. But, you know, these infections, just like COVID, right? COVID morphed into all these different strains. Lyme disease does the same thing. And it's very strong and, and it's very hard to treat. Um, but I think that there was just such a lack of information in the beginning. People didn't mm. understand. And then people really thought that it was isolated to more of the New England states. That's why it's called Lyme disease, because originally it was a group of children in Lyme, Connecticut, that they all came down with these arthritic symptoms at the same time. And they realized it was caused by a, a tick. So it they thought it was isolated to New England for many years. And of course, it's not. And there's different strains depending on what country you live in and what part of the United States you live in. 
so much information out there. And also the Infectious Disease Society of America, you know, they kind of, that group of doctors feels, you know, some antibiotics and you're done. (laughs) There's another group of doctors out there that they're called ILADS. It's a Lyme disease organization, but doctors that are under ILADS feel that we there's still a large population of people that need more than 30 days of antibiotics. They need long-term therapies. And a lot of times it involves alternative treatments. So you're talking antibiotics, but maybe you're also talking IV therapy. People do things like oxygen deep dive therapy. Sometimes people do hyperthermia. So there's, and that group of doctors believes that this is like a crisis in the medical community So there's a little bit of controversy there. So I tell people, cut through the controversy. At the end of the day, we want you to get better. We're thankful for our doctors if they can help us get a diagnosis, which in some cases that's difficult. But if they're having a hard time, I tell people, let's find you an ILADS doctor, you know, somebody that can give you the testing and that can do some long-term treatment with you. Um, several doctors have lost their licenses for treating people for long-term Lyme disease. So that's another reason why there's some controversy in the medical community about it. So I just, you know, I tell people, let's cut through that and let's just get you the help that you need. Cause here I am sitting here. Like I know both sides of the coin. I don't want people to spend their time getting upset about the controversy. It's let's just get you the help that you need. And I know the resources to do that. So now that you're with me, let's Let's get you the help you need. Which one helped you when you finally got that diagnosis? Was it the antibiotics antibiotics that worked or did you have to do a lot of other therapy as well since you had been living with it for so long? That's a great question. For me, Andrea, I'm allergic to so many antibiotics. That wasn't a treatment option for me. Mm. And by the time they figured it out, I was in a, I was, they call it chronic Lyme disease. So I, I'm in a chronic state. So I had to really look beyond conventional medicine because I couldn't go that route at all. So I started working with a naturopath who was very well versed in herbs, which really piqued my interest in herbal medicine because I learned all of the herbs that treat the Lyme and the different co-infections. And I went on to school to become an herbalist so that I can make recommendations to people for their own herbal protocols. I also used essential oils, and I know that there's a lot of people that, oh, you know, essential oils, and but, um, you know, it is a type of herbal medicine, mm-hmm. and I used oils as some of my antimicrobial treatment because they're very potent, so that was a route for me, and then eventually I did get into energy medicine, and I can dive into that a little deeper as we talk, but that was really the thing that kind of brought me across the finish line was doing multifaceted approach to healing from this because I had been sick for so long. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a matter of 30 days of antibiotics and we're done. I couldn't do that. Yeah. Which, I mean, by the way, 30 days of antibiotics is no joke. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. And there, even with that guideline out there, um, even a lot of doctors won't even prescribe that long. Yeah. So, But you really need a little bit of a longer term because you've got to get into the life cycle of the infection itself, yeah. the bacteria itself. So you need to take it for a little bit of time. She can wipe out that infection. But yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit about your mindset while you were going through this, because you were seriously affected yeah. for a very long time and you were 
going from specialist to specialist, trying to figure out what's going on. What helped you throughout that period or or was there anything that helped you while you were going through that? Yeah, such a good question. Um, I think what helped me was that I loved my husband and mm. I wanted to get better for him and I know that he wanted the same for me. And then when our child had all these health challenges, it was like, okay, now we have, we all have to get better for each other. And that helped me to hold on just having just people in my life that I love so fiercely that it's like, okay, I've, we've got to find the answers to this because it's, Lyme disease is very hard to find the answers, even when anybody that's been through it, when you are diagnosed with Lyme, and I make this as a joke with my clients to lighten things up a little bit, but it's really the truth. You go into a research rabbit hole because blessing and the curse of Lyme disease is what I call it. The blessing is that there's so many different ways to treat it, but the curse is that there's so many different ways to mm. treat it. And the hard thing is finding the right combination of treatments for each individual person. And we end up with an honorary doctorate mm. in how to treat Lyme disease. If you ask any Lyme patient that's been in it for a while, they can probably tell you 15 different treatments that they've done right off the top of their head. So it's a matter of finding those right combinations. And that's, that's what it became for me. It almost became a puzzle. How mm. can we solve this? what's the next thing? And I think the thing that was really helpful was that I understood because I was a patient from the moment I came out, I had health things that were going on. And I understood that when it comes to healthcare, there is no quick, easy fix. There is no magical pill that you're going to take there's no magical treatment that's just going to take it all away. And I think my understanding of that kept me going because I knew, okay, if I do this treatment and it gets me 20% of the way there, that's 20% better than I felt before. And that's going to get just give me that fuel to keep on going because I had a child to take mm -hmm. care of in the middle of all of this, right? So I think that whole combination of things was really what fueled me to keep going and to keep learning and to keep trying different things. I think that's a really good perspective to have because I think if we're looking for that one thing or that one doctor or even sometimes that one diagnosis right. and put all of our hope into that one thing, it can be devastating when it doesn't work or it doesn't come or it's the wrong diagnosis. And it can be so hard to bounce back. Often the many times that's going to happen while you're looking for, especially if it's a hard to diagnose issue. And right. so looking at it from the sense of, okay, let's just get the whole idea of one pill, one treatment, one diagnosis. Let's just take that whole thing off the table. Yeah. And just start with that understanding that it's going to be maybe multiple things. And mm -hmm. if one works a little bit, that doesn't mean that it's failed. It means that it worked a little bit. And let's right. go from there. And I think the other thing to, to address when it comes to Lyme treatment is that aside from that little bit of antibiotic that you might be able to take if you're lucky and caught in the beginning, um, none of this is covered by insurance. Wow. So... Lyme disease is, on top of being 
physically and emotionally devastating to the body, it is devastating to the pocketbook. And I speak from a place like it's not lost on me that I had privilege in this because I I had money saved. I had credit cards that I could use. I had resources. And a lot of the clients that I work with, they don't have that same kind of pool of resources like that. Some of them don't even have a family support system because it's mm-hmm. another thing that happens is that a lot of people just, it's a drag being around sick people, right? Mm-hmm. So people just walk out of your life or fall out of your life, not only because they, you know, they're not trying to be rotten people, but it's just, it's hard to watch somebody that you care about going through that. But I think a lot of times people don't know what to say. Then, you know, you're sick, you're broke, you're alone, you're trying to go through all of this. What I did while I was treating, because it, we, it was three of us, I documented everything. I documented what worked, what didn't work, why I felt that maybe something didn't work. Um, you know. And then as I've gone back and looked at all of that through the years, I'm like, oh, wow. If I knew then what I know now, I would have known nev- never to try that particular treatment, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. But I'm able to help steer people take some shortcuts. You know what? The return on this is typically very small for people. So if you just move to this instead, um, Mm -hmm. the other thing that happens is there's so many supplements that people end up taking in this journey because there's multiple phases of treatment that you have to do. And sometimes what happens is people are diagnosed and then immediately, whoever the treating practitioner is, they'll just put them on antimicrobials right away, whether Mm -hmm. that's herbs or antibiotics or whatever the case might be and the person gets even sicker and it's you know what if there's anything that i've learned in this journey you have to pay attention to draining your lymph and being able to detox your body before you start taking things to kill all this off because otherwise all those toxins are floating around and they're reabsorbing so those are the things that i've learned in this journey that i can save people a boatload of Mm -hmm. money and trouble Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know by saying Let's do it in this order. It helps people a lot because financially, people very oftentimes will run out of money and then they're doing bare minimums. They're not taking maybe the doses that would be therapeutic for them. And they're just hoping and praying that those minimal doses of just a couple of things that they're taking are going to get them over the finish line. And unfortunately, that's usually not the case. Mm. It's just there's just facets to all of it. There really are, and it yeah. sounds like it sounds like there. Since there are so many facets of um, treatment, there's also a lot of facets of how it affects each person. My, yes, right. It sounds like everybody's going to be different. How did you know that you and your husband and your son all had the same thing, or did you not until you got tested? We well, my husband and I suspected. We didn't realize that maybe my son had Lyme, but we suspected that we did because. We had done tests for everything under the sun, you know, that the MRIs for MS and, and mm-hmm. you know, yeah. all the blood testing and everything. And there's this one particular test. It's considered one of the gold standard tests for Lyme disease. And even then, it's probably around 90% accurate. This test is for just a basic Borrelia, just the Lyme bacteria panel. It's about between $250 and $300. And then if you want to test for all the other infections, it's about a $1,200 test. Mm. We were willing to pay for this test and we were begging our primary care physician, 
All we need is your signature and a blood draw right here in your office so that we can get this test. And the doctor said to my husband, if I sign for you to have this test, when, when it comes back negative, will you finally admit that there's nothing wrong with you? Jaw drop. Yeah. Yeah. Again, devastating. Like there's a lot of gaslighting when people mm. have, and it's not just Lyme, there's a lot of different complex chronic illnesses that people get very gaslit. Mm. But when the test came back, the sad thing was when you test for Lyme, they call it bands. They basically take your blood and they test it against a bunch of different reactants. They call it reactants. And they do 10 of them. And each one is called a band. So at the time, you had to have five positive bands with these reactants in order to be considered positive. My test came back with four. Mm. So technically, I was negative. So when that, so then when we ended up with that naturopath that was working with my son, and she started asking us about our health, um, I shared with her that we had, the doctor did sign for that test. And I shared the results with her because I carry around like the big three ring binder with every test in it. Yeah. And she said, yeah, where there's smoke, there's fire. She said, I've never been a believer in it has to be X amount of bands. She said, if something is showing up, then it's in your body. We right. treat. Because if you and didn't have anything, there would be zero bands. Like it wouldn't show up. Right. Exactly. So again, you know, one of those crazy things, I'm sure if anybody is in Lyme world that is listening to this, <laughs> they're like, oh my gosh, they get it. But the thing too with Lyme disease that a lot of people don't realize is that Lyme does not necessarily have to be a diagnosis through testing. Mm -hmm. You'd be diagnosed with Lyme based off symptoms. You just have to work with a doctor who understands what the symptoms are and can put that diagnosis on your chart. And in many states, people end up working with naturopaths because mm -hmm. they understand that. They'll, they'll still, they'll sign for you to get the tests in most states. Sometimes New York's a little tricky, but get that testing done. And a lot of them, a lot of naturopaths especially f believe in the where there's smoke, there's fire and will, will treat for mm -hmm. Lyme disease when they're seeing results like that. So you find out that, yes, you have Lyme and you start looking at the treatments and you know that the traditional Western treatment of antibiotics is just not an option for you. Mm -hmm. And you start looking at different things. Where did energy work fall in line? Is this something that you were into beforehand? Because you worked no. at a hospital before this, I right? I did. I did. So I worked at a hospital. I was the office manager for two programs. I worked for the diabetes program and I worked for the cholesterol management program. Mm -hmm. So not exactly like hearing about Lyme disease in these avenues, yeah. but I learned a lot, you know, about patient care, mm -hmm. the medical system, the inner workings of the medical system. And before I worked at the hospital, I had actually worked in health insurance. So, I mean, whew, that was a, that was a rough job, but I learned a lot about how to navigate the insurance company and appeals and all of that stuff. So I came at it with all of that experience. I was a very conventional medicine brain. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're sick, you go to your doctor. I think that's how most of us in this country are raised. Mm 
when you're sick, you go to your doctor and they give you a diagnosis and you take a treatment and you get better and you're done and you move on with your life. And when we were diagnosed with Lyme, that was our foray into natural medicine and opened us up to natural medicine. And then what happened was, you know, we were, I would say we were like 80% better. The herbs and the oils and treatments that we were doing with the naturopath, they were really making a good impact. And, you know, and we kind of just, we were naturally positive about it because honestly, we were so happy to have a diagnosis. Mm. When we started taking things, we were starting to feel better that it was life was getting a lot better at that point. So I had a, um, I was, I'm a homeschooling mom. My, my son actually just graduated last May, but at the time we were still in the throes of homeschooling. And another homeschooling mom said, Hey, my kids have both graduated. I'm a massage therapist by trade. She posted this on one of the mom boards. And I work with people that have like complex issues with their health, with cancer and people that need a lot of sensitivity when they're having massages. So I connected with her and I said, Hey, would you come over and do massages? Cause I'm in Southern California. For those of us that live here, we know like mobile massage is a big thing. Like people come to your house. You don't necessarily have to go to a clinic. So she came to our house and she got all set up and she gave me a massage. And like, I had no idea what Reiki was, what energy work was, like not even in my brain at all. But I knew what a massage felt like, right? Mm -hmm. Most of us know what a massage feels like. I, it was the most amazing massage of my life. I was seeing colors and I was feeling like all these ripples of warmth going through my body. And I'm like, this is some kind of magical massage. I don't know what's going on here. And I, going into the massage, had such bad brain fog. I, ha I couldn't ever do a conversation like we're doing now. And when I, and she was working on my neck and she held my head in her hands and it was just amazing. And when I got off that table, first of all, my brain fog was gone. It was like magic. That was probably the most miraculous thing that happened in, in our entire healing journey was that particular massage. But I said, that was a wonderful massage, but what else was happening? Because I, and I told her, I'm like, I was seeing color. At one point I was seeing like birds, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, th that was just different than anything I had ever experienced. And she said, oh, you're the first person that's ever said that to me. I was doing a little bit of Reiki while I did your massage. And I said, okay, here's the deal. From now on, can you just come and do that? I don't care so much about the massage but can you do the Reiki? Because it, it felt amazing. So then it was a couple of times a month she would come and do Reiki. And it just, it, you know, now I understand what it is. It's helping to remove some of the blockages that we have in our body and release.
Is negative self-talk still getting in the way? I hear you, and I've got you. Go to andreahansencoaching.com to get my free No BS Guide to a Positive Mindset. This guide is all about stopping the negative self-talk. In it, you'll learn what works and what doesn't. And you'll get sustainable, long-lasting tools to help with your negative self-talk so you don't feel like that inner critic keeps sneaking up on you. Go to andreahansencoaching.com and get my free No BS Guide to a Positive Mindset. You'll find the link in the description of this podcast episode. Thank you for listening to the Live Your Life, Not Your Diagnosis podcast. If you like the show, don't be shy. Please give us a five-star rating and review. Don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you're listening right now. To see complete show notes and transcripts of today's episode, visit andreahansencoaching.com. Thank you for joining me. And until next time, take care.